Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we get started with the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsor, Anchor. We're new to podcasting here at Salty Saints, and Anchor has made it so easy for us to get started. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain a little bit about it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. The best part about Anchor, though, is that it's absolutely free. So if you, like us, want to get your word out there, you want to try your hand at podcasting, make sure that you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to Salty Saints Podcast. I am Zach, and I'm sitting here with Randy Spate once again. What's up? Hey, I'm doing great, Zach. Got a full tummy and happy about that. Oh, my goodness. Like, I think it's our new ritual to go eat barbecue and then do a podcast. (laughs) It seems to be, doesn't it? Which uh, kind of leads us into what we're talking about today. We are, we're talking about food. Yeah. Um, One of my favorite subjects. (laughs) I love it. Um, maybe too much, which is <laughs> how I keep my beautiful figure. Right, yeah. my girlish <laughs> figure, yeah. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I don't know why it is, but I just kind of gravitate towards Netflix programs or repeats of of uh, cooking programs. And uh, just absolutely, I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the process of cooking and fascinated by eating, just eating anything and everything that people put in front of me. I'm with you. Um, I kind of go on these little kicks where I'm just trying to find some strange new food I've never had before. Um, What's the strangest thing that you've eaten? I don't know if we can talk about some of the things I've eaten. Um, Um. I've eaten some things worthy of, like, fear factor. Oh, no. I'll say that. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that were cooked legitimately as a meal. Oh, no. I, strange. I am, too, but they're still oh, wow. strange. Hey, man, you get into the backwoods of some places, and the, the things they eat just aren't <laughs> the things other people eat. Um, I've eaten gator. Um, I've eaten— I've never had that. It's good. It's like chicken. You yeah. know, it's nothing crazy. I've eaten ants. Okay. See, that's weird. Yeah. That's weird. In fact, in uh, Santander, Colombia, they have what they call the ant harvest. One particular time of the year, for whatever reason, all the ants come out of their holes and crawl around and they just grab them up, throw them in a pot of oil. I mean, they're big. They're about as big around as uh, the ball of your little finger. Really? Yeah. They're massive. They look like peanuts and taste a little bit like peanuts. You know what? No, that's the thing I noticed. I've eaten crickets before, and crickets taste like peanuts. I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's just like the protein, like the, I don't know. I don't know. That's really strange. I've never had it, but I know in Mexico they serve tacos with live grasshoppers. Okay, now I wouldn't do that. Anything live and I'm out. Like that's (laughs) that's not cool. 
I understand in India, I have a friend who actually did this. They ate scorpions. Really? They're deep fried, but legitimate scorpions. Straight up. Uh, now, I think I brought some of these uh, not too long ago. But, yeah, if you go to uh, Jungle Gyms in Cincinnati, um, they've got tons of bugs. They've got everything at that place. That place is so weird. You brought some back. I remember eating some kind of Mil- larvae. Millworms or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, like that—that that place has like durian, uh, durian or dorian, durian. Is that what it is? I don't know. It's the stinky fruit. It smells like like rotting meat. Ooh. Yeah, but they say this—the taste is really sweet. I've never had it, but I guess the it's just putrid. The smell. It's funny how your nose and your and your tongue are are related that way. If it smells good, uh, for me anyway, it usually tastes good. Right. The funny thing about this one, though, is it's the opposite. Right. It smells bad and tastes great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be able to stand that. Yeah, they said it's almost like a banana kind of flavor, like just real sweet and kind of yeah. mild, but the, the smell is just funky. I don't know. There are some strange fruits out there, and I've had uh, fruits that are uh, they're tasty, but they're kind of hard to wrap your mouth around and your head around. Right, <laughs> right. And so... <clears throat> You know, maybe you're asking, like, why why aren't they shutting up about food? Um, but we were we were at um, a, a barbecue joint here in town, and we were eating lunch, and uh, it got to the end of it, and I, I said, hey, are we doing a podcast today? And uh, Randy said, I, I don't know. What should we do one on? And then Jason suggested, just do one about food. And we'd been talking about food and some of our favorite foods. And- yeah, yeah. And, and the cool thing is, is that food has a very important place in human relationships and specifically in Scripture, whether it be the Old or the New Testament. And it's amazing, you know, when you stop to think about it just the number of times that food is at the center of theology itself. Right. I mean, you mentioned uh, when we were kind of talking through some points to hit on on this uh, on this podcast was the garden, the original garden. I mean, it's a yeah. garden. That's, yeah. It grows food, you know. <laughs> and the sin, the 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 one thing that they couldn't do was to eat a certain fruit. Right. But what was the thing they could do? Eat from any tree, any other tree, except for that one. Yeah. It's all good except for that one. Now, why food? I mean, the first sin could have been uh, don't hit each other. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm down for that. The, the first sin could have been don't lie to me. But it wasn't. It was don't eat this particular piece of fruit. Right. Now, I, I think you could get into the kind of uh, the, the argument of whether or not that is literal. Um, I, I don't know. I I. I wasn't there. <laughs> right. I wasn't there either. But I, I, I don't know. I kind of think it was literal. You think it was more just the act of defiance? Yeah. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. But, but even in that, though, I think it becomes figurative in a sense. that, that It wasn't oh, sure. the fruit it, it that mattered. It represents something exactly. else. Exactly. There is nothing sinful about the fruit itself. Right. It is the act of disobedience right. that is the sin. And then you get... The inverse of that, after Adam and Eve, you get uh, Cain and Abel, and what do they do? 
they bring food to God. Right. One of them brings animal meat and one of them brings fruit. Right. His harvest. Yeah. But that's not good enough. And yeah, okay, that's a different podcast. <laughs> because I don't think it was that the fruit was less worthy than the meat. Because when God talks to Abel afterwards, he sa- or talks to Cain afterwards, he says, sin is crouching at the door. So there was something there. Cain was already kind of uh, looking down on his own offerings, saying, eh, Abel's is a little bit better than mine. Right, right. Okay. Anyway, anyway, you, you, you carry that on in the sacrificial system. And the entire sacrificial system of the Old Testament revolves around food. Well, I mean, what do they sacrifice? They don't sacrifice diamonds and rubies. They don't sacrifice a a well-made piece of furniture. Right. All of it is food. There's the grain offering. There's the drink offering. There's the sacrifice of of lambs and, and goats and calves. It's all food. Right. And, and, and not not saying that – I don't know that this is so on track with where we're going. But it is interesting to me too that after the fall, there's a greater emphasis on, on meat. There is no meat before the fall. It's, it's all veggies or fruits. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, the, there's no death before right, the fall. And, right. And, uh, and meat requires death. Right. Right. I, I – I don't know. I saw a cartoon in Columbia one time of a farmer with a pig that had Band-Aids all over the pig. <laughs> and the pig was saying, okay, I've about had it with this. <laughs> right. Uh, that, that's not the way it works, well, is it? <laughs> that's that's the, the Dwight Schrute comment from the office that he's created a system of being able to extract eight burgers from any cow while keeping the cow perfectly intact and alive. <laughs> and then starts naming all the companies that are interested, but then all the companies that – are not interested. You know, he's, he's super bummed about it. Oh my goodness. But the point is like it's it's all throughout scripture. I mean, we're just talking about the Old Testament here, but Right, 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 right. What about the New Testament? Uh, we see it in the New Testament as well. Now, not so much the sacri- well, the sacrificial system is there, but uh just look the number of times that Jesus sits down to eat with people. And it's it's incredible. Um, I don't know. I haven't gone through that. That would be a neat Bible study to go through and look at all of the times that Jesus sits down with somebody. But he's sitting down with friends like Martha and, and Mary, like Lazarus. He's sitting down with uh, frenemies mm-hmm. like uh, the Pharisees who might invite him to a meal. And then he sits down with people that the Pharisees called uh, sinners. So uh, he goes to Levi, Matthew, and he says, follow me. And the very next verse is, and Matthew threw a party. Right. And he invited Jesus to his house. Well, doesn't Jesus invite himself to Matthew's house? Doesn't he say, we're going to your house? No, that's Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus comes down out of the tree, Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. And Zacchaeus says, okay, cool. You've got me curious. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Keep talking because now I have to look it up. Look it up. Um, But you get a huge number of of times in the New Testament that 
things take place around meals as well. It's very important in the time. Um, following through with the sacrificial system, you also get the Lord's Supper. Now, not only on the Thursday before Good Friday when Jesus was crucified, but uh, a commemorative meal then afterwards. Paul talks about that in uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and says, uh, I have received this tradition and I pass it on to you. And the tradition is a meal. And they, they sit down and they eat together. And Paul is super concerned because when they come together to eat, the rich apparently are pigging out and the poor just kind of sit on the sidelines, hungry, watching the rich eat. Right. And Paul says, no, 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 that's not what this is about. That's a perfect point. Uh, another point with Paul is uh, when he gets mad at Peter over not wanting to eat um, with the Gentiles uh, because of the Jewish laws over food. But now Paul's saying, but those are gone. Those are done away with. There are no, it's not about what you eat. It's about what's in your heart, you know? Right, right. And and that that's an interesting uh, 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 episode in Paul and Peter's life. It's not so much about what Peter was eating. Peter was probably maintaining the Jewish laws of cleanliness, and right. he was probably eating kosher meat, meat that hadn't been, uh, in the Jewish terminology, it hadn't been strangled. And what that means is they bled it out. Right. so that there was a minimum of blood in the meat when they cooked it. It wasn't about what Peter was eating. It was about who he was eating with. And the interesting thing is that in the Old Testament, Jews are never forbidden to eat with Gentiles. That was a Pharisaic law. That was something that they introduced later. It was not biblical, to use that terminology, but more importantly, it set up a we-them division in the church. And Paul was saying, no, 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 we can't have this. Which is really funny um, that the Pharisees do that. Because if you read in, is it Leviticus, when God basically says, yeah, any outsiders treat like your own. Yeah. Treat them like you. Yeah. Um, now they're still they're they're expected though then to abide by your customs and your laws if you treat right. them like you. But but you accept them. They're not separate. They're they're one of you now. Like And the Pharisees did exactly the opposite. Exactly. They made it very difficult for proselytes who wanted to become recognized as Jewish. Um so yeah, the 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 gospel just flips all of that on its head. Right. And so <clears throat> Food is everywhere, but it seems like it goes deeper than just food. It's not just about what you're eating, kind of like what you're saying here with uh, with why Paul was mad at Peter. It wasn't because Peter was following Jewish customs and eating, you know, a certain type of meat or whatever. It's because he was neglecting to eat with just anybody. Both when Paul talks to the Corinthian church about what they were doing wrong in celebrating the Lord's Supper and in the way Paul talked to Peter when Peter, what Peter actually did is 
uh, he ate with the Gentiles. But when leaders came from Jerusalem who were Jewish, right. Peter stopped eating with the Gentiles. Kind of put on a show. He went to a different table, maybe even in a different room, and he ate with the Jews because they would not eat with Gentiles. Right. In both of those cases, the issue is not what they're eating. It's how they're eating and how they're discriminating against each other. Right. By the very fact of the way that they were eating. Right. Or, uh, for instance, uh, this is another one, um, uh, food sacrificed to an idol. Right. Um, clear, clear me up on this. This one's always been hazy for me. Um, I've heard it kind of said both ways, and I haven't dug enough to understand it fully. But does the scripture actually say it's okay to eat it if it's <laughs> not, like, going to offend someone else, basically? Uh, yeah. The reason it's fuzzy is because Paul says both things. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah. I got you. So, in, in fact, he says it in the very same book. First Corinthians chapter 8, Paul basically says, who cares if food is sacrificed to idols? The idol is nothing. So, if somebody puts meat in front of you, chow down, go ahead, eat right. it. Two chapters later in verse 10, he says, Oh, you don't want to be eating food sacrificed to idols. <laughs> right. The difference in those two pack passages is that in 1 Corinthians 8, Paul, he gives the impression that he's talking about what you do when you go to Kroger and you buy a piece of meat. So was this meat sacrificed to idols? You're taking it home. You're going to eat it alone. Who cares? If it was sacrificed to idols, that is meaningless. But in 1 Corinthians 10, it's in the context of eating with a fellow believer who might have a problem with you eating meat sacrificed to idols. In that situation, Paul says, don't do it. So there again, it comes back not to to the... to the molecules of the meat. It's it's right. not to the to the meat. It's about your relationship to the person. It's about your relationship. And, and so, I mean, could you say a similar thing, though? I mean, do you think – now, I mean, we're putting words in Paul's mouth when we do this sort of thing right here. But, like, what I'm about to say, um, do you think Paul would have said the same thing about, like, if you were in the presence of someone who looked at that meat as a holy thing to that idol? Like, say say I'm, I'm with uh, – well, I don't have any, I guess, real-world context um, as far as meat goes. But um, if someone had sacrificed, say say a Baal follower, sacrificed that meat to Baal, do you think Paul would have said, don't eat that meat in their, in their presence because to them that's something special to their God and it would be wrong for you to do that to them because it would hurt them? That sounds like something that Paul would say. Right. Uh, no, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't. Maybe I don't know. not. But but, it, I I think that puts the focus on the relationship, though. You're not going to exactly, hurt that person. Exactly. And it's a very very real thing. Butcher shops in Corinth and uh, in the rest of the Roman Empire, many of them uh, were using meat that was sacrificed in a temple. Right. They would take the meat from the temple, repurposing to it. the butcher shop, and then they would sell it. So that had been sacrificed to idols. Probably the butcher even knew, oh, yeah, this was sacrificed to Diana. This was sacrificed to to Apollos, just in case that matters to you. Right. Um, what, what Paul says is 
the act itself of the sacrifice is completely meaningless. And in that sense, go ahead and eat the meat. But insofar as it might cause a problem with one of your fellow believers, don't do it in front of them. Right. And so I think that's kind of the center. The center. Sorry, not the center. Uh, That's my southern Indiana bleeding through. Um, That's sort of... The whole idea of what we're getting at here is food is about relationship. Food, there's something deeply ingrained in human beings that food brings people together. I mean, I guess it can divide, too, if you look at it in that sense, um, you know, uh, with what Paul was saying to, to Peter and them. But but food is an opportunity to bring people together. There is a a (laughs) guilty pleasure. Uh, If you can find it, there's a show called Fat Men in the Woods. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen it, but this guy out of Milan, Indiana, Creek Stewart, takes three guys, and they are all very fat, and he puts them in the woods for five days, shows them how to survive, and every episode is the very same thing. First thing you look for is, uh, uh, first thing you look for is shelter, because he always does it in the middle of winter. So you've got to be warm, or you're going to freeze to death. Next thing you look for is water, because you've got to be drinking to stay alive. The next thing you look for is food, and typically these guys don't get around to looking for food until the third or the fourth day. So here are these guys who very obviously enjoy eating. And now what they have is like maybe some berries that they found. Uh, In extreme cases, they might have been able to trap a rat and they're going to eat the rat. Oh, my gosh. But the joy on their faces when for the first time in three days – they put a little bit of food in their mouth. In one of the episodes, one of the guys just busts out in tears. He starts crying because there is something about eating together. Man, that's wild. It's And now you're going to have to give me that channel so I can go watch it. Oh, that was I'm, on Spike TV, I think. But oh uh, you might gosh. be able to find it on YouTube. I'm not sure. But I'm so Fat excited. Fat Men in the Woods. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. I will. I will look that up. It, it's full of uh, 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 survival uh, tips, but look at them when they finally get something that they can eat together. And it's so meager, but it brings such incredible joy. And these guys are eating things that they would never have eaten in their lives. And they're going, oh, wow, that's good. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. And they're sharing with each other, too. It's not, you know, I caught this, I'm going to eat it all. It's, hey, you know, here's here's a leg off of my rat <laughs> that you can eat. It's it's the mo- it's one of the most basic human functions, though. I mean, it's it is at the root of our existence. We have to eat to live. Absolutely, and- we do. Um, the, we're getting at the question of why. Uh, why is food? so important in scripture why do so many things revolve around food and i think you've hit exactly on one of the one of the topics right there it's a basic necessity it's a requirement it's it's 
part of uh, Pavlov's uh, triangle of basic human needs. I think the need for for sustenance, the need for survival and eating is right up there at the top. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm kind of thinking on different spots biblically um, where God even, where, where Christ relates himself to food. I am the bread. I am, I am the, the wine, you, you know, I, I, I'm the drink. Um, I'm the living water. I'm the living water. Um, fasting. Uh, to, I was to, just thinking about that. Right. It kind of lends a new look at fasting too. Right. It, it, it's saying d- deny yourself of this thing that is so basic to your needs. God, you are more important to me than my very need to survive. Right. Right. I mean, it, the Bible places a very high value on eating, on food. Um, and yet, obviously, because of fasting, because of things like Jesus in the desert uh, for 40 days, Satan says, turn these stones into bread. And he says, no, uh, we're not to allow food to control us. Right. It's a tool. Um, well, I mean, it, it's it's more than that. It's it's it is a necessity. But we we need to prioritize it. We need to understand that, that God is bigger than even our most basic human functions. Yeah, um, that's, that's a good way to put it. And um, I I really think, though, kind of what we concluded is, as what is so important in our daily lives uh, with food is it's it's an opportunity to, to love people. Yeah. When you provide food for someone else— you're providing them with the most basic of services. You're meeting their need, and you're doing it in a way uh, that, in essence, it puts you out. Uh, you're out the cost of the food. You're out the time it took to prepare. Uh, you, there's a little bit of vulnerability there. Will they like it? Will they not like it? <laughs> there's also the vulnerability of you're both showing uh, – I mean, this is getting really like kind of deep, but um, – you're kind of sharing in a moment that like you're both going to die. We're both living right now, but one day, you know, we need this to live, but like, it's like sharing in your humanity, like sharing in, you know what I mean? Like, it's like we are both very vulnerable right now. Mortal. Right. Right. We're showing our mortality. And what's really kind of profound about that is, I mean, that, that when Christ is talking about communion, he says, remember me. And, you know, Jesus says every time you do this, but Paul later says every time you eat the bread and you drink the drink. And so I'm almost wondering if Paul isn't making this connection of every time you sit down with other people and you eat and you drink, remember Christ. And if you kind of put it in the focus of this moment of sharing and like your vulnerability of your mortality, it, it kind of puts Christ at the head of that, that like Christ is is bigger than this moment. I was listening to a podcast by a guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Michael Heiser. Oh, yeah, uh, (laughs) I heard of Michael Heiser. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he was talking about communion, and and he kind of came down to that conclusion that uh, more than the Lord's Supper being a little uh, tiny, tiny little sip of, of grape juice, and a tiny little sliver of bread. He was saying this is more about the act of 
sharing together, about the act of of eating together. Uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, what we do is significant, and we should do it. But what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 11 is so much greater than that. It's not a symbolic act. It is the actual act of sharing food together, of of serving each other, of providing for those basic needs. Yeah. I mean, um, a, a parallel that I was listening to uh, in the Spoken Gospel podcast, they were talking about uh, back when the sacrifices were made at at the the tabernacle, um, they they were saying how I mean they probably they're definitely plugging in a little bit of their own thoughts on this I'm sure but the the people would have sat down together and people would have been eating together, um, having e- eating the sacrificed meat but near the tent because God was in the middle of of his people at that point in time. But now at communion, Christ is literally sitting at the table. He's not at this distant tent. He is, he's at the table. And so then when we take communion together, when we eat together, when we drink together, that Christ is literally with us. I mean, like that's, that's profound. That's cool. So that, that kind of leads us to, uh, something that uh, we've been talking about here uh, in the church and uh, something that we do believe is is very important, and that's the use of uh, food, the, the use of a mealtime. Even as we build relationships with other people that w- would allow us to share Jesus with them. Yeah, we, uh, we call it dinner for eight, dinners for eight, and... Um... I participated in what? In one what? Like two months ago? No, oh, month and a half. Month yeah, and maybe month two months. Maybe. Yeah. Me and Randy were in the same group, and it was awesome. Like, it, it was fun, and all we we sat down around plates of lasagna and bread and salad. Yep. And and uh, some kind of a dessert, and uh, the food was completely secondary, but the camaraderie, the the fellowship, the talking, especially after being locked up with COVID, not being yeah. able to get out and see people, that was just so liberating. And, and you know, like it was all people from our church, and a couple of them I had never spoken to before. Uh, a couple of them I, I, you know, I I knew I knew Chris pretty well, but I, I hadn't really talked to his wife as much, you know, and, and so I got to know her well and she was awesome. They were all so, so cool. And the thing that was so funny to me is we didn't just sit around talking about church. No, it was no. Just about In fact, life. I'm not sure we talked about church at all. No, I mean, maybe a little, but, but I couldn't tell you anything we said, <laughs> like, but I remember, I remember learning a lot because two of them, uh, knew a lot about the virus, uh, with their medical and kind of uh, biological background, clinical background, yeah, right. And so, like, I learned a lot about their trade, about the the things that are interesting to them, and, and we learned about them. That's that's the big thing, right? And, and they learned about us, right? And you know, at the end, like, you know, we were every time we have a dinners for eight. Um, the idea is to shuffle around the group of people you're with, so right. you get to know people. 
and get to get to know people you might not know so well from your congregation. Because I mean, let's be honest, um, whoever may be listening to this, I mean, New Hope, we have what roughly three four hundred people in our church, yeah, give or take, which is considered pretty huge as far as churches go. Um, but when you think that there are mega churches at, with four thousand people. I mean, I think a concept like this would be so incredibly beneficial um, for any congregation because even in a in a church as small as you know seventy people or whatever, you, the chances are you don't know everybody there one hundred percent. But when you sit down and you eat with people, you get to know them. Well, in <laughs> a lot of rural churches, a lot of the smaller churches, they do this naturally. They oh, they yeah. have pitch-ins or. Or um, different regions call it different things, potluck, pitch-in, mm-hmm. whatever. But everybody brings their favorite dish, something that they've fixed. And uh, everybody gets a little bit of something. And it's not about the food. I mean, the food is awesome. The food is great. Everybody's cooking their favorite things, so it's really good. But the fellowship, the the sitting down and sharing together and laughing together, it's that fellowship it's it's building relationships that is so important well i this whole dinner is for eight thing for new hope is fairly new for us um we haven't done a lot of it yet and we're trying to put more of a focus on it because we really like it um we we hope more people start doing this sort of thing um but i came from a, a really small church well i mean i say really small it was you know 80 people or so, um, which, yeah, it's small. Um, but we, we ate together all the time. Like we, we had big potlucks, pitchins, whatever you want to call them. Um, and, and so I was super used to that. And then in my, my two years here, we hadn't really, we've done a little bit of it. Like, but it's like a once in a blue moon sort of thing. You know, we used to do it a lot more. We do it, uh, four or five, maybe six times a year. But then COVID hit. That's and true. And that, that just shut everything down because that's one thing that we don't do. But going to somebody's home, that's different because right. it's a controlled atmosphere. Right. You don't have to worry about spread of the virus. Right. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And, I don't want to. more than you normally do. <laughs> exactly. <so. laughs> yeah, whatever. But it it was awesome. And I look forward to more opportunities to get to eat with people that I don't know so well. The other thing that we can do in uh, eating with people is uh, look for people who are at the lower end of their relationship with the Lord Jesus. Uh, They might not have one yet or might be very, very new. Hey, a meal is a great time to be able to do that. Maybe not even a full meal. Go out for coffee. Go... Go share a Cinnabon and, and a cup of coffee and just sit and talk together. Don't necessarily talk about uh, the church or the Bible or theology. Just talk. Just talk about life. Right. Talk about what's important to you. Talk about uh, goals and aspirations. Uh, things will come around. You'll end up talking about things that are significant eternally if you just start sharing a meal with somebody sharing a cup of coffee with somebody 
Yeah, it's it's almost like like talking like like meeting strangers or you know meeting people you don't really know. That's not such a natural thing to us, but eating is. It's like kind of what Jason was saying about uh, he was watching some show here a while back, and uh, the two guys were gonna like swap lives essentially. It was some reality show, Sw- swap lives. Is that what I said? Or is that, did I say swap wives? Because that is also a show. That's, but, that's <laughs> another one, yeah. But they were gonna like kind of swap their daily lives, and so the one guy just starts going through and kind of systematically laying out what his life looks like, and the other guy goes, "No, no, 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 shut up, sit down." He says. You know, you, the way you really get to know somebody is playing cards with them. <laughs> so he gets out a deck of cards and they start playing cards. And then it just sort of naturally started bubbling out what their lives were like. There you go. And so so I think we we need that sort of familiar thing like we all eat food. It's natural. And so when you sit down and you start eating, it does get easier to just open up and just be like, yeah, this is what my life's like. You know? And you know what is so neat about this whole thing, this whole topic Scripture starts with Adam and Eve eating an apple. Mm-hmm. It ends with a feast. With a feast. And that's how it's described. I mean, we sit around forever at a dinner table. <laughs> I can't think of anything that would be more pleasant than that. Once again, I don't know if that's so literal, but I like the picture. <laughs> I love the picture. I love the picture. That's it may cool. may not be. I don't know. I like uh, it. Lewis in Narnia. It's it's very literal. Literal for him. Is it? Oh yeah, yeah. What's he say? Uh, he has this huge table with uh, food prepared on it. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Uh, there there might have been some wonky things going on at that table. But uh, anyway, there was food involved. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I know even the Jews, um, they believed that there would be a giant feast at the end of time. I mean, that's pre-Revelation. Um, but they believed that. Interesting. And so that's really that is really interesting that, that they even saw the the um, importance of that. You know, in Exodus 24, right after uh, Moses receives the book of the law, mm-hmm. uh, Ten Commandments and then instructions. They eat with God, right? They eat with God. Yeah, that's cool. I, there's so many. Or, yeah. or when, Jesus comes, uh, when Jesus comes back and the disciples see him on the beach, he's cooking food, right? But he's cooking food and it says specifically and he ate a piece of ate, fish. Which the road to Emmaus, he ate with them. Which I mean, is it fair to say at that point that is a resurrected Christ which is now I mean, he I I look at him as I mean, this is like I don't know if he needed to eat to sustain his body. Right. I mean, he can walk through walls, he can just exactly, appear in rooms, yeah. but he still ate. Yeah. Which I mean, he probably didn't need to. But he did because he wanted to be with his friends and have a meal. He wanted to be in that relationship with them. And maybe, just maybe, he enjoyed the taste too. (laughs) I sure hope so because I do. (laughs) Oh, boy. I do too. I do too. It's something that you can just really enjoy together. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I think that's – I think we got it. I think we covered it. Yeah. Go, you know, Randy's been talking about, go make a friend. 
go make a friend. That's how we, that's how we really need to, to look at evangelism. It's about, it's about making friends. And when you make friends somewhere along the line, there's going to be an opportunity to open up about Christ with them. Um, but man, what better way to make friends than to sit down and have a meal together, grab a burger together. Yeah. Take a, get a cup of coffee together. Yeah. Get a cup of coffee, coffee together. Like I was just talking about this the other day. I said, the reason I haven't hosted dinners for eights because I don't even have a dining room table. I live in a, <laughs> live in a pretty small apartment. I have like a coffee table, but you know what? Like even if people, even in a place like that, I don't have an excuse. You know, if we could gather around and grab some chairs and just eat McDonald's or something, you know, like whatever. But spend some time together with people, and it just so happens that food is a great way to do that. A very stupid analogy, the Big Bang Theory. They never had a table on there. You had six people sitting on a sofa in easy chairs eating takeout. All the time. And constantly, every episode pretty much has six people sitting around talking, eating takeout together. Make it happen. That's all it takes. It's, It's time with your friends. Yeah. Or future friends. Build that friend. Build that build that friendship. Go get some food. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. And uh you know what? Give us a like or a rating, whatever whatever you're listening on, it's always different for all of them. But if you can leave a comment, leave us a comment. If you can leave us a like or a rating, go ahead and do that. But just uh yeah, spread this around to somebody that might need to hear it and uh go go use this in your life. We'll be praying for you, and uh, I hope you're praying for us as well. Thank you. Stay salty. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.